It's amazing what he does. Please give a warm rock star welcome to Jay Morin. Makes a good baseball bat. Can you use it right? Then I can find those spots. Put that back right back. I need a volunteer. How many of you have seen me do this before? I have. Raise your hand. I have. Okay. Somebody who hasn't. You brought the beach with you. Come on up. Just have a seat right there for just a moment. I'll give you instructions in just a moment. You are so screwed, Steve. Uh, you can sit and pray if you want, but rock stars are much more attractive. Yeah, but now I can go like you. It won't be any taller. My wife and I are standing in the uh, boat dock at the, at the pier, and all the canoes are lined up for summer camp. And as we watch the kids walk down, we notice that bird feather flock together. All the athletic young boys High school age, they all jump in one canoe or a couple of them together. All those young teenage girls, cheerleader types, they all jump in another one. Jeff, could you mute one on the second mixer close to the wall? Mr. Fox. The last set of canoes, though, that was the misfits, what I call the misfits. These are the ones that show the canoe with a life jacket on and a snorkel. And maybe even some goggles and flippers just in case they end up out of the boat somehow. And as you watch them, you can realize that everything they're doing is, well, it's leading to trouble, right? A few minutes in, I noticed that the girls have made their way across the, the lake about halfway. Very nice, calm. They're not leaving a wake behind their boat or anything. They're just being girls. And the teenage guys, on the other hand, one of them is now standing up in the canoe, rocking the boat back and forth. He's got his shirt off, he's got his Tarzan chest out. Ah! And the boys are making a beeline for the girls' canoe. How many of you can see this coming? <laughs> they get just close enough for Tarzan to get his toes up on the edge of the canoe. And he is ready to leap into the girls' boat. And just as his feet leave the canoe, the girls swiftly paddle backwards and he belly flops into the lake, which leaves everybody in stitches. And here's what I realized in that moment. Not only do birds of the feather flock together, but as Paul said, your inside game is your most important game. If the people you hang out with are the ones that are most likely to turn your boat over, oh yeah, they did before they got off the dock. It's a good thing they all had life jackets on, the water was at least knee deep. They turned that boat over four times before it got deep enough to swim. Why? Because they went into it with the mindset, something's going to go wrong. Why else do you wear a life jacket in a wading pool? <laughs> the ladies on the other hand, they were completely in control of their environment and their life, even to the extent that when the boys decided they were going to do them harm, they gracefully got out of harm's way. And the guys, just being who they are, wasn't good enough to leave well enough alone. It had to be that they had to impact somebody else's life. 
Now, how many of you say you know someone who lives in one of those three categories every day of their life? How many of you are someone who lives in one of those three categories every day of your life? See, the, the first step in taking responsibility in your life in any form of leadership is to realize which one of those categories are you in. Are you the person that knows that when harm comes your way, you can gracefully avoid it? Are you the person who's sabotaging your own success at every corner? Or are you the person who's just looking to get somebody else's banner up in whatever way that you can? When you figure out where you're at with those, then you can begin to take more responsibility for your own life. In a moment, I'm going to tell you why that story was relevant. Come up here for me, sir. I'm going to ask you, what is your greatest call to action? Greatest call to action would be to help people. A little more specifically, what, what, if you were to tell these people to do something that would benefit you, whether it's emotionally or profit-wise, what would they do to help you today? That's a great question. Uh, the best thing you can do would be to talk with me and let's see if we can be synergy partners. Synergy partners. Okay, what is a synergy partner? Someone that you can work with, that you can help their business, that can help yours. So become a synergy partner. But that's a pretty good call to action, Senator. Okay, so now the next thing I'm going to do, I need somebody with a timer on their watch that can get her on their phone that can give me exactly two minutes. Got it right here. All right, so you're going to start it for two minutes. Here's the rules, everybody in the room. When his timer goes off, Steve, right? I don't care if Steven's done talking or not. I want you to give the most raucous applause you possibly can at the end of the two minutes, whether he's done talking or not. Okay? Tell me when you're ready. I want from you not a sales pitch, not a marketing branding statement, not an elevator pitch. I want a story from your childhood that you recall. You got two minutes to tell whatever story. So you're really talking to nobody that's uh, just a country boy that lives in the city. And the reason I say that is because my grandma lived two houses away, or two ranches away from the number one horse trainer in Oklahoma. And uh, I can remember, I don't really know about, much about horses, they're about 14 to 18 hands tall on average. I remember literally at two years old falling off a horse and uh, I was like, uh, he was like, fall off a horse, you gotta get back on. And I'm like, I don't wanna get on the horse, I don't wanna get on the horse. Like, you gotta get back on. And so, uh, I'll tell you, that horse was about 40 or 50 hands tall, because at two years old, that's what it looked like, right? Um, but uh, at the end of the day, years later, uh, one of my, I had a martial arts school, one of my students' dad got in a horse range, and he was getting training Arabians, and he didn't have a trainer, and I said, do that. He's like, you're a martial arts teacher, this is horses, it's completely different than kids, right? He's like, well, I can do it. And so two weeks later, and his horse broke, was going over tarp, over bridges, walking into the trailer, and I got the job. Uh, and so uh, that was kind of a, a fun thing. And then I saved my boss's life because I used to do neck braining, which means the horse goes this way, the next day goes that way. It was real light, it was just being really heavy on the reins. I kept telling him, just very little, very little. And uh, I said, could you just get off the horse, please? And he got off the horse and he got on by night. I got on the horse and I had to ride the horse out because his name was Buck. That's what he doing. Uh, and so uh, I rode it out and then I said, after the horse was calmed down and everything, I said, do you know why the horse did it? He goes, no, what did you do? And I said, I didn't do anything. You were yanking on the horse. You've got to stop it. You've got to be this way or that way. Because uh, the next time I won't be able to save you. I won't see the tail of the horse. He'll just throw you. 
I don't know if you can ride one, so I'm kind of safe one. Uh, my little life on my horse. I was an eyewitness. 
I earned the right to tell that story by experiencing it. What that means is that if I were to go through the litany of other 150 stories that I've crafted, I don't have to make up emotion. There's no theater in what I do. Every story that I tell, I've lived through, experienced, or observed deeply. And so I don't have to act when I'm telling a story to draw emotion out of people. If you laughed, it's because I was laughing at the time that it happened. If you were to cry when I tell the story, it's because I was crying at the time that it happened. Every one of you have stories like that. And I don't care what they tell you about branding. I don't even know if Craig, Craig and I agree on this, but after 10 years at Verizon in corporate marketing, uh, marketing communications with my job, here's what I tell you about branding. Your colors are important, your logo is important, your tagline is important, but here's the most important thing. The story that others tell about you when you walk out of the room, that's your brand. I agree. I agree. Let's hear it. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at nine, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Bye. 